Welcome to Center Maryland's The Lobby Pod. We're here with uh, some old voices and some new voices. I got a new one for you. His name is Mark Edelson, and he has just uh, won the Democratic primary in a place in Maryland that's incredibly challenging to win a Democratic primary because so many wonderful activists and leaders all live in the 46th legislative district. And so for Mark Edelson to come out of the district that represents the Port of Baltimore, downtown Baltimore, South Baltimore, Port Covington, mm-hmm. yes. all of that, all the way over to the county line on the east side Correct. where Bayview Hospital is, uh, it's an amazing district. And this guy, Mark Edelson, put together an incredible coalition of people to to earnestly you know give that seat uh the due it deserves uh people like senator bill ferguson people like delegate brooke learman delegate robin lewis chairman clippinger that's who's coming out of this district so you got to be pretty special and so sorry for this long introduction but you're a new voice so i wanted to give you an earnest one uh, Mark it. Edelson, welcome to the show, and congratulations for winning the Democratic primary in the 46th legislative district in Baltimore. Thanks so much. It was uh, a great race. I uh, tell people I loved every second of it. I don't know that that's necessarily the case, but um, I love knocking on doors. I love doing the community work, and uh, it's just awesome to build a coalition that we're able to build of people in every neighborhood that you mentioned. Um, and come out in the top three and uh, be ready to represent the district in the city of Baltimore and Annapolis. You'd think it'd be a real top-down kind of district, like where you have to go and kiss the ring of the chairman and the Senate president and the uh, nominee for comptroller now and and Robin and all these folks, important people. But I, I bet you they just tell you to go right back into the community and find your support there, right? Yes, 100%. And And... Um, to be fair, they were all amazing about letting the democratic process play out and not sort of putting their finger on the scale here and there in the primary. It was a great group of people who ran with diverse backgrounds and interests and ideas. And so it was very much, you all go out and take your ideas to the community and whoever builds the most support wins the primary. And that's what democracy should be all about. Well, look, it's hard to do this interview with you because I do feel a bit of envy brimming up inside me because uh, no matter where I am, I think Fells Point is the coolest place on the planet. I think Canton is like the best sense of fellowship and sisterhood I could ever have before or after a Ravens game. You know, I love going to church at St. Leo's or, you know, so you just have this amazing district. Yes. Uh, you have these remarkable leaders already around you. How do you find your way forward in the general election and, and sort of set, set the tone for what comes next? So uh, first and foremost, this is very much a learning experience for me. Um, I know that I ran a great campaign, but when it comes to governing and legislating, I don't know what I'm doing. But I'm benefited by the fact that I have incredible leaders and mentors around me who I'll be able to learn from to best represent the residents of the district that I love. And to your point, you know, I've been the president of the Canton Community Association for the last five years. No easy was, job. Yes, <laughs> full-time volunteer gig, I like to say. Uh, still waiting on that first paycheck. Um, 
And, you know, I've been a member of the Democratic State Central Committee since 2017. I was the vice chair of our delegation. And so I've had the benefit of being in and around those conversations with Senator Ferguson and delegates Learman and Lewis and Klippinger and all the other incredible representatives of our district and our city. And so to me, that's the path forward. The pathway forward is, you know, be an independent voice, be my own critical thinker. Um, but learn from folks who've been doing it and really know how to do it well. Talk to me about your upbringing and where you're coming to this seat of power from. I'd love to hear about the rise of Mark Edelson. <laughs> yeah, so that's probably a unique one. So I was born in South Africa in 1984. Uh, so that's my, not a Baltimore accent. It's not. Yeah. No. You know, yeah, I, I never want to ask. You know, I don't want to be too pushy because I have kind of a quirky accent. People say I have like a a southern accent i never i never believed that so i i never judge well but that's a south african that's correct yes it's beautiful but it's one in which you know we moved to the states i was 15 so my family all originally from eastern europe um fled the nazis to escape the holocaust ended up in south africa so multiple generations of edelsons in south africa prior to me ah. um i was 10 years old when the referendum happened to end the apartheid 12 years old when Nelson Mandela got released from prison. So those were my formative years. One, growing up in a country of extreme racial strife. Um, and two, seeing that kind of leadership bring people together in the most challenging possible time. So, you know, it leaves a um, indelible impression on you as a young person about the importance of civic engagement, leadership, especially in the most trying of times. And then in 1999, my parents, uh, myself and my younger sister decided, let's add to the challenges and let's emigrate. Um, and that was really massive sacrifice on my parents' part for me and my sister to be able to live the American dream and get an education here. And um, I was the first member of my extended family to graduate from university. Um, Where was that? Uh, so when we moved to the States, we moved to Atlanta. So I actually know a little bit about a southern right, accent. Yeah, nice. You do have a little bit of a draw, by the way, <laughs> here and there. Um, so we had family that lived in Atlanta. So we couldn't afford a place of our own. We moved in with them, lived with them for a while. Uh, my parents worked two jobs. I actually started in high school waiting tables, working yeah. in a warehouse, doing landscape, whatever I can get my hands on. Um, so I went to high school and then... Uh, uh, undergrad in I uh, went to Georgia State University in downtown Beautiful. Atlanta and then moved to Baltimore in 2007 to go to the University of Maryland School of Law and that's what brought me to our great city 2007 yeah uh, University of Maryland School of Law. 2007 I think might have been the lowest correct me on this but might have been the lowest murder and violent crime rates in Baltimore in the last 30 years yes it was low yes yeah so you br you brought all that luck yeah <laughs> and then so. something happened yeah and now is that public safety one of the major issue you're dealing with and how do you be honest about with voters about like hey i'm your state delegate you know yeah uh i have a limited realm of influence in yeah. the pop or at least maybe i don't want to quote you because sure. uh, but what would you talk about public safety baltimore so first and foremost um over the course of the race, we knocked on a little over 50,000 doors. 97% of those conversations were about public safety. 
Um, so 50,000 doors knocked. That's on yes. like what, like five or 10 passes of neighborhoods yes, you go yes, through? Yes. And so and, more and in, over 95%. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, obviously, depending on precincts and turnout, more passes in certain areas than others, you know, strategy of how to win a primary, et cetera. Um, but a massive, massive number of those conversations are about public safety. Um, and then, you know, to say to say public safety means a hundred different things, sure. right? To say public safety means I don't have a job. Yes, I don't have a job. Have a job. <laughs> My neighbor had a package stolen. Yeah. Kids down the street don't have a great school to go to. The transportation system isn't working for people. Yeah. So it means a lot of different things. To social a lot of determinants people. of public safety, yeah. they should call it, right? Yes. They do that for health, but yes. maybe it's social determinants. A hundred percent. Yes, and then very neighborhood specific. So public safety in Canton is very different from public safety in Cherry Hill and Westport and Lakeland and Mount Winans and Curtis Bay, you know, so. You know, we get all of our information about voter views. So much of it comes from polling. And in my experience, a lot of the polling starts out with questions that segment their answers based on their racial composition and just being out there on the doors, neighborhood by neighborhood, what can you tell us about the Baltimore community that you know we're not seeing in the polling or that we're not getting? And I, I, I just love to hear your point of view on yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Because you um, have a that's knocking on fifty thousand doors. Like not many Americans do that. Yes, yes, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Very few sane people do that either. Even so. fewer uh, Baltimoreans <laughs> get to do it, right? Maybe yes. you and Eric Costello. Yes, yes. Um, so you get you get to learn a lot, you know. And I mean, it's exactly as you say. It's much more nuanced. Um, each different neighborhood has its own issues. There are obviously collective concerns, but it's one of those things where you have to do it in a local race to get elected, but it just makes you so much better as an elected official because I could literally tell you street by street in the 46th district what the issues are, whether their big issue is trash pickup, whether it's rats, whether it's a lack of transportation, whether it's legitimate violent crime, whether it's the schools aren't working for our kids, whether it's off to school activities, whatever it might be. But you so. would say none of the complaint. Do you feel like how many of the complaints do you feel like are kind of Ill illegitimate or wildly ideological or screwy? Would you say that there's a fair share of that? Or would you say like the people are pretty exact when they got a problem? It's a real problem. I think that. Uh, the majority of the time when people have a problem, it's a real problem. The difficulty for a lot of people is recognizing what's underpinning that problem right. and how we really solve that problem. But yeah, I mean, there are doors that I knock on where people tell me that, you know, Israel is the source of Baltimore's <laughs> ills. And, you know, as a, as a Jew, that's not <laughs> something that I really want to hear from folks. Right. Um, so there are things that are, that are, yes, out there. But the way I see it is, look, I'm knocking on your door at your house on a Saturday morning, a Sunday morning, a Wednesday evening, you get to tell me whatever you want to tell me. That's right. You know, just the fact that you're answering that door in the first place and willing to engage me in a conversation is great. So, That's right, because they could be up in their underwear on Twitter. Correct. And yes. just shouting yes. at the world. And I get those too. <laughs> you know, and I get people who come out while they're on Twitter and they want to tell the Twitter world about the Twitterverse about the conversation they just had with me, good, bad, or the other. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's how I feel about it. And, and so I'm coming to you. I'm doing the most personal polling you can possibly do, which right. is chatting to people on their doorstep. And so I'm here to listen and I'm here to learn. How do you feel about, um, how do you feel about, sorry, there was a call for beer, so I got a little distracted. Yeah, we all did. 
this experience you've had, you're growing up. Uh, my daughter, by the way, is the hugest Trevor Noah fan there oh, yeah. is, right? Yes. So, but how? What can we learn from the South African? Or let me make it more practical. What can you learn from the South African experience that gives you some hope that there, that there's a way to get beyond some of the same old conversations that we hear? You know, in other words, you're a new voice, new ears, relatively speaking, and you had this amazing upbringing challenging what does that bring to the table that gives me some hope that we can move the conversation forward baltimore stop pointing the fingers yep. kind of get you know what, what do you so south africa unfortunately has or fortunately and unfortunately has great examples on both so it's excellent examples on how you can overcome and move forward and excellent examples on horrifically poor governance okay so nelson mandela amazing example of reaching across the aisle, the divide, whatever it might be, and saying, we are going to do whatever we can to find common ground. And even if that's things that make me uncomfortable and pain, so perfect example, rugby. So the sport of rugby was very much the sport of the oppressor in South Africa in the apartheid era. When the apartheid ended and Nelson Mandela came into power, the common consensus was, Rugby is going to be the first thing that he takes down and says, this was a bygone era. Rugby is not going to be a sport of the future in this country. It's a sport that drove us apart. And there was a lot of concern in the white community about how that would impact the culture and the social aspects, all of that. One of the very first things that he did was he said, we're hosting the Rugby World Cup in South Africa. I'm going to be a part of it. The whole country is going to be a part of it. We're all going to come together around the South African rugby team, which by that point is quite a bit more diverse. And this is now going to be a sport that brings us all together as opposed to one that divides us. Beautiful. And a move that shocked most people in the country. And then he went. He went to the World Cup games. South Africa ended up winning that Rugby World Cup in a huge upset. Um, and it was a massive uh, you know, coalescing moment for the country Beautiful. in the post-apartheid era. So to me, I think that's an incredible example of ways in which we all have to swallow some of our pride and hurt feelings and whatever it might be and say, the common good is more important than my own individual needs, interests, whatever, and take those risks, take those chances and say, I'm gonna do something that people don't expect me to do. So to me, that's an excellent example that we can right, learn. Right, and we're all in the stadium on Sunday at the Ravens game or we're creeping back into yep. Camden Yards. Yep. like. Yep. And just those people being around each other and rooting for the same thing. Yes. You yes. wonder why we can't walk out the building and start rooting for Baltimore on exactly. Monday. You exactly know? what I'm saying. That's exactly so, what you're yes. saying. How do, we, how do we make Baltimore City the thing that we all root for together? Because look at the other states that have done that. The whole state thrives, right? When they're able to make it the focal point, the culture, the arts, the, the music, the entertainment, the food center of the state, which Baltimore is, how do we all cheer for the same thing together? Um, the other thing that South Africa did well was um, post-apartheid created a very, very progressive constitutional document um, that is studied around the world. We studied it in law school in Baltimore. Cool. Uh, which is amazing. <laughs> so that's another important thing that I think we got to do, which is really memorialize those policies that move us forward. Not just on Twitter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and then unfortunately now, South Africa is a great example of terrible governance and mismanagement and corruption and 
ways that we're not doing good constituent services. And so you have a little bit of everything to learn yeah, from South yeah. Africa, what to do and what not to do. Yeah, and it's like uh, getting people to be a part of the solution is a challenge, but it has been something that you have been set to do. I just, you know, when you're me and you're online and you get a, you sort of follow a couple different candidates or, and uh, I had the pleasure of watching you. It, it was nice to see how you inspired so many people to, to get involved with your campaign because they thought it was about something much more than you, I think. Um, and, and it was great to see our friends Jonathan Rowland yes. and John Rohr seem to be at the center oh of your God, uh, yes. multi-year operation yes. there. And I can't think yes. of anybody better to have in the foxhole than those guys. Totally. Just the best guys, creative, thoughtful, hardworking, brilliant, and um, been with me from day one and so loyal. And I think that was part of it, too. So people could see that even from day one, this was never about me. This is about the team and the idea and the city that we all love being so much better. And so I think people want to get behind that. They I think people, and when they see you win and they feel that success and then they start to see one thing change, then in their own life, they'll step out a little bit and then they'll bring people with them. You know, it really happens like that. You, you know, you, I wish it wasn't so sort of cheesy sounding or the worst part is it sounds so easy. But it takes somebody to to pull these people together. I'm going to ask you to do that. Uh, I'm going to ask you when you're in your first couple days of the legislative experience. I'm not. I know you're not taking anything for granted, and you got to you got to have a general election. But when you get down to Annapolis, I would love if you do a little in Ko Public Affairs. We call it a landscape audit, which is just kind of assessing the po st political state of play of the port, because. While I'm an old-time Baltimorean, you know, there's some big new cranes there. Yes. There's no better way to welcome people into an urban environment or to a country than, than through the port. Yeah. And uh, you're right there, man, every day waking up next to the Port of Baltimore, in the Port of Baltimore. Yes. So I'd love for you to just uh, take a look a little around, and then I want you to come back and report to Center Maryland like, what you think the state of the port is, what they need to be doing better, what they sure. need to be um, getting more partners on. What yeah. they, you know, I just love your point of view on the yeah. port because you're such a thorough dude. I appreciate that. And it could use your analysis. Well, and the other piece that I don't think we use it for nearly enough is a transportation hub and moving people around the city to job yeah, opportunities. Yeah, that's a great, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's, this is a way that I don't think about the port because I'm old timey. I'm getting over it. I'm getting out of my perception box. But tell me what you mean by that, because what I'm talking about when I say Port of Baltimore is like I'm thinking about big ships dropping totally. the stuff off at Domino Sugar or the big new cranes that allow these massive ships to come to Baltimore and go through yep, the, the Panamax. The Panamax yeah. Right. Yeah. But what you're also talking about is maybe like using the waterfront to connect the city rather than to kind of be a hole in the donut. Right. Yes, so so exactly. what's that mean? Yes. So firstly, um, we can be doing both. So the port has had a very successful, you know, past few years. Um, it has um, set a number of records, um, which is excellent. You know, the folks there are working really hard. There's always more that we can be doing. And so I think I will be in a better position a couple days or a couple weeks into session to say, all right, let's really see how we can be making life easier to continue this to be such an economic driver in the city. 
where I think we're sorely lacking is on viewing it as a way to move Baltimoreans and tourists and commuters and all of the above around the city. To You're get looking to at one guy that never really, I mean, I love that idea, and yet I don't put it at the front of the screen. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, on the one hand. So what else do you have besides water taxis? What else? How so, else do you move? Well, so, I mean. Paddleboards? Sure. Yeah. All right, I'm paddleboarder. Totally, yes. And, I mean, on the one hand, that's about how do we, you know, make our water taxi fleet more effective and efficient and reliable and serve more people. But on the other hand, it's how do we connect neighborhoods that aren't currently connected that's right. Port. So Cherry Hill, for example, That's right. we're doing this beautiful reimagination middle branch project in Cherry Hill. To me, one of the things I talk about all the time with folks in Cherry Hill is how do we have more bike lanes in Cherry Hill and how do we have more water access in Cherry Hill? And folks there are all in for it because they feel so disconnected from the rest yeah. of the city. And by the way, it's all the neighborhoods south of the Hanover Street Bridge. It's Westport and it's Curtis Bay and it's Lakeland and it's Mount Winans. They Thank have you for all saying the, their names. Yeah, they have all of the you know, MTA bus fumes coming through their neighborhoods in the mornings, but they don't really have the benefit of much, you know, transit around their neighborhoods throughout the day. And we could connect those neighborhoods to job opportunities in all the neighborhoods that you mentioned, in Fells Point, in Canton, on the east side, in the ports, directly with water access. And so to me, that's a way we could change a lot of lives, expand economic opportunities, and, and really, you know, expand what we use the port for. Well, he's Mark Edelson. He's a candidate to be the delegate in the 46th district with all the powerhouses. That's like the biggest powerhouse district I could ever imagine. <laughs> and now you're set to be in it. So congratulations. Thank you so much. High expectations. That's a challenge. Yes. But uh, you're going to deliver, man. Thanks so Thank much you. for joining us on Center Maryland. Thanks so much for having me.